0: Imagine being the shadow of undoubtedly the most controversial figure in the 21st century. That's exactly how my next guest's career was spent between 2015 and 2017. No matter how you feel about the former president and current GOP 2024 frontrunner, the headlines are impossible to ignore. In recent days, former President Donald Trump has stirred the pot once again, denying any Hitler inspiration while doubling down on divisive remarks about immigrants. The echoes of history are haunting with many political pundits, many in academia, and even President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris drawing alarming parallels to the dark days of Nazi Germany. Trump's recent comments on immigrants have ignited a firestorm. He denies being inspired by Hitler, but the echoes of history are hard to ignore. President Joe Biden and Vice President Harris have drawn chilling parallels, urging us all to remember the lessons of the past, but the drama doesn't stop there. Colorado Supreme Court has dropped a political bombshell deeming Trump ineligible for the states 2024 ballots due to his alleged role in inciting the Capitol insurrection in January 6 2021 the political chessboard is in motion and the stakes couldn't be higher in the realm of american politics few figures have ignited debates as fervently as donald trump imagine a silent observer the visual chronicler of one of the most controversial figures in politics and pop culture today's guest experienced just that as the shadow of trump himself today We lift the curtain on the extraordinary experience of our guest, Gene Ho, the editor-in-chief of George Magazine and the author of Trumpology. For three decades, Gene's lens captured the highs and lows of sports, entertainment, and political celebrities. However, from 2015 to 2017, he had a front row seat to history as Donald Trump's personal campaign photographer. What was it like, Mr. Ho, to be the personal photographer for Donald Trump during transformative years?
1: Uh, first of all, thank you very much for having me on your show, and your show is exactly what we are trying to do at George, is get different voices out. For example, a lot of people don't know, I saw him, I believe he was on there, Jamie Harrison, who is, I believe, the DNC chair. He's a person that I saw you just interviewed, and I, he's a guy that I know, I love, I think he's great. And uh, what we need more in America is people like you and me, quite frankly, that can just talk about things without arguing and just... Getting the facts out. Anyway, that all being said, I want to let everyone know that I was a uh, liberal before I met Donald Trump, and so indeed I spent two years behind the scenes as his personal campaign photographer. So i see many things with uh, President Donald Trump, and it's it's a uh, wonderful. And I I will answer any questions, but uh, talk about anything you want about him because. Uh, regardless of what it is, I, I think he's a a great man and a great man to lead our country.
0: Thank you, Mr. Ho, And I'm glad to have your opinion represented on the platform. Could you walk us through your career? You started off as a photographer in the sports yeah. and celebrity world. What was it yeah. like? How, how did this happen? How did you end up? Uh,
1: that, you know, really, it's a wonderful question. Uh, I, a lot of people don't know. I was actually a, a celebrity photographer. I used to give workshops in front of thousands in Las Vegas, uh, companies would sponsor me just to say that, hey, Gene Ho uses our product, our old camera lenses or whatever. Uh, I was friends with uh, the artist formerly known as Prince. I was hanging out uh, as the photographer for the Atlanta Falcon football cheerleaders, uh, did photos for many celebrities. Uh, so really wasn't a big deal when the Donald Trump asked me to take pictures of him before he actually ran for president officially so i did one job for him uh loved him loved his magnetic personality loved how he treated me uh especially and and now we're, we're both here as minorities um, i could tell you this uh growing up as a, a a chinese boy uh very sensitive very acute to people that are uh prejudiced um i could pick up on that very well i grew up with it where people smile in front of me and then I turn around and I, could, I know they're making squinty eyes at me with their fingers. So I understand that. And people that are minorities understand that and they have an acute sense of it. With Donald Trump, I didn't feel that at all. I saw how he treated other people. But most of all, I learned how he treated people when the camera was not around. When I was standing by looking like no one was watching Donald Trump, I seen him interact with people outside the realm of the media canvas.
0: So let's dig into that a little bit more. You've had access to the former president like none other before. Okamoto served as Lyndon B. Johnson's White House photographer, which set the precedent and the tradition of a president having his own personal shadow follow him for some historic moments and some intimate moments with folks that may not have been in the limelight all of the time, like you had mentioned. Could you share some insight about Donald Trump as you came to know him between those initial years of him as a candidate in 2015 to becoming the president-elect and then becoming the president of the United States, one of the biggest upsets in American history.
1: Absolutely, Uh, I'll give you an example. And I was in rooms where there was only uh, Donald Trump speaking with a group of people, uh, Secret Service, and me in the back of the room, just sitting there documenting it. But one instance I'll never forget, they had a round table and in the round table, Donald Trump said, "Okay, let's go around the room, introduce each other, and tell me what you do. Tell me, you know. So one person comes up, yes, uh, Donald Trump, I was this. I was served as a senator of this and this. Oh wow, everyone's impressed. Next person going down the line, yes, I run a Fortune 500 company. Do this, this, this. Goes down the line, and Mike, I'm telling you, got to one guy. I knew it. Saw he was nervous, and he goes, Donald Trump, uh, I own fast food restaurants." And then you would think being in a room embarrassed next to senators, you know, Fortune 500 CEOs. And now you got, you know, the guy that that owns the, the restaurants, you know, the, uh, the Kentucky Fried Chickens. And you know what he said? Donald Trump goes, oh, that is so amazing. Which one is your most profitable franchise? And this guy's eyes lit up. Donald Trump made this guy look like he was the coolest guy in the room. In other words, other people would be like, ha, ha, I don't even know what you're doing here. You, you, you own these little restaurants. What do you own a little uh, Hardee's? What do you do? Taco Bell? No, he made this guy the coolest guy in the room. I'm, I'm telling you this. The media could say whatever they want, but it's interesting. How long have I been around? And the only one that gives me the time of day is, quite frankly, people like your show, some alternative right shows. Why, why has no one ever seen me on some of the bigger MS uh, mainstream media outlets? because I'm telling stories like this, really. That's all I could tell you is, is what I seen. So there you go.
0: I've asked this question to President Obama's White House photographer, Pete Souza. Was there ever a day where you woke up, you conducted yourself as usual, and it ended up being a day in which you took an iconic photograph that would most likely end up in the Trump library whenever that is established?
1: Yeah, uh, and it's one of those that uh, that has never been published and uh it is my favorite photo but um mike when i was uh first starting i had uh exclusive access to donald trump in fact like if i could call up anybody i could say hey uh, i'm gonna be in your neighborhood with donald trump do you want to go meet him that was early on and then it all stopped about a year uh into the um into the run because secret service came so now i didn't have the authority to say hey would you like to meet donald trump i had to ask permission and all this stuff so it was a year of working for donald trump before i got a chance to introduce donald trump to my wife and my son who by the way my son is uh biracial and uh so i had to get it cleared and all this stuff and then finally donald trump meets my wife and son and then he just looked he doted on my son like it was his own grandson and he just looked at him and he goes "Beautiful." Beautiful. And so uh, uh, my wife picked up my son. He was, he was very young at the time. Uh, Donald Trump posed for a picture. And I, I'm telling you, like, uh, you know, very few people have ever seen that photo. Uh, but it is it is by far my favorite. Um, I don't know if they'll make the uh, uh, you know National Archives at, at, at his library, but uh, I am sure that it is by far the my favorite photo that I ever took of Donald Trump.
0: How do you believe your role as photographer shaped the narrative around Trump? And what insights can you offer into the power of visual storytelling in politics?
1: Wonderful question. Um, see, here's the thing. I was never uh, a professional political photographer. I was a professional wedding photographer. I was actually doing the, the weddings of different celebrities and different people. So I used a, a specific lens that is... That I made famous, quite frankly, in the wedding industry is called the fisheye lens. And up till then, really nobody ever used the fisheye lens per se in, in the uh, political realm. But the reason why it was so impactful is because when we went to the rallies, if you remember, Donald Trump was always like, uh, you know, mainstream media, turn the cameras around, pan the cameras. See, they won't pan the cameras. But I was there with the fisheye lens to be able to capture the absolute insane crowd sizes that he was getting. And then, of course, uh, my boss, Stan Scavina would post it on his Twitter and everything else. But that's how it all started, because I was documenting it fairly from the eyes of people that were there at the rallies. That is why it bounced a boomerang against the mainstream media, because everyone that was going to the Trump rallies, was like, this place is massive. There are so many people here, but yet the mainstream media was trying to portray it as only zooming in on Donald Trump and not showing the crowd. They did not tell the story. And so with my camera, I told the story and then that's why it was so believable uh, to people that saw my work.
0: Donald Trump has been impeached twice 2019 and 2021. He inspired folks to storm the Capitol in January 6, 2021. He's made, as I alluded to earlier in the show, some remarks that have a lot of historians reminiscing to the days of the 1930s with Hitler and Nazism. As a supporter of Donald Trump, how do you justify continuing to support him? For those who are watching and maybe wonder, how can you support him after all that we've seen and heard and all of that he's inspired? He's got 91 charges over his head. He's not eligible to be a candidate as of now, according to the Colorado Supreme Court and the Colorado Republican primary. He has advocated for suspending parts of the Constitution so that he could be reinstated as president. What are your justifications for supporting Donald Trump as a candidate in 2024?
1: My justification is very simple. Are we better off today, as Ronald Reagan said, today or four years ago? Now, Mike, anyone I ask that question for if you anyone says you know what man times are good you know what people are afraid of biden that like we're so respected in the world oh everyone loves biden oh and man i love this 5 dollar gallon gasoline by the way i just came back from california like 650 are we better off today than we were 4 years ago if you say yes man go out there And vote for Biden, because that's what we need to do. Vote for Biden. Very simple. Vote for Biden. However, if to yourself and to the core of it, that you feel, hey, realistically, quite frankly, it was so much better when Donald Trump was president. Vote for Donald Trump. I don't care either way. I just want you to vote. However, when it comes to me and my personal justifications, everyone always asks me this. Oh, how could you vote? This man is so vile. Oh, whatever. Is it possible? Is it very possible? Maybe that the media is painting in one way because I am telling you it is the exact opposite of the man I spent two years with. And it's very interesting. If you don't think there's some sort of maybe bias with the mainstream media, when they're saying that he was such a racist, why can't they interview one of the only minorities that spent all the time with Donald Trump. Here's the other question for them. All right. And this is how I know your audience will know and they can sense the truth coming from my voice. If I wanted to, I can sell my story for millions, millions of dollars. There were some people writing negative books about Donald Trump that spent maybe a fraction some of them only like 2 or 3 days with them and they get they write tell all books and they make millions as a minority as a person that spent time with Donald Trump I could have put a weave of lies and I would have no problem making all the money in the world and I could probably be very effective in taking Donald Trump down but that's not what happened when has anyone ever seen me on some of the bigger news channels? Ever. No, because maybe they don't want to hear what I have to say. And what I have to say is going to be the truth. Because if it wasn't the truth and I was after money, trust me, man, I could make a lot, a lot of money by telling a book of lies about Donald Trump. So that, there you go. I mean, people that watch it, you know, you know what they're going to say? Listen, I really hate Donald Trump, but that Gene Ho, he sounds like he's a straight up man and he tells the truth. That's why I have so many people following me, because I'm just telling everyone what is the truth and what I believe and and what do people say? Oh, Gene Ho, you're you're lying. Do I sound like I'm lying? I don't know. Make, if, if you think so, cool. All right. I'm a liar. But that's what I saw. What else am I supposed to say? There's nothing left to say.
0: Let's talk about George Magazine. Of course, many folks associate the George Magazine brand to John F. Kennedy Jr., who established the magazine in 1995. The magazine was a very stellar, well-put-together political magazine. You had political satire. You had political information in there that folks were able to learn from. You had culture and pop culture represented in this magazine. You were now responsible for what you call the renaissance of George magazine. Of course, John F. Kennedy Jr. died in a plane crash in the summer of 1999. What made you decide to take on this project? And are you going to... Continue in the same trajectory that John F. Kennedy Jr.'s project left off in, or is it going to take more of a Republican or right-leaning tint?
1: No, uh, Mike, and, and uh, if I could say it and give you you thanks, uh, what we need more in America is shows like you, man. I, I, you know, I came on your show, and I'm not sitting here getting softballs, but neither is it that you are doing it. You're just telling really good questions that I know you are. Uh, re- uh, viewers want to see. It's very interesting because at George Magazine, what we're trying to do here is exactly that. What we're trying to do is unite America by giving voices to people on the far right, far left, center, all over. So people can make their own decision of what to do. So far, we've interviewed and we've featured a lot of people on the far right. Uh, we've also featured Uh, We interviewed RFK Jr. Uh, He gave us the exclusive interview right before he announced his independent run. Gave us the exclusive interview. We just, for this newest issue, interviewed Governor Mike Huckabee, who is, of course, you know, Republican and evangelical Republican. Um, Going into the future, we're going to interview other people, some on the far right, some on the far left, and we're going to let people decide for themselves whether they like them, whether they support them, whether they're crazy or whatever, it doesn't matter. What has happened in America with mainstream media is that they, the media, go out there and say, "Listen, this is what we think you should believe." so we're going to paint that For us and George, and I'll be honest, I believe for, for you, Mike, is you're just saying, "Hey, let me interview these per- persons. Let me give them some c- tough questions, let me let them talk, and let's find out what they're really like." And then You're not saying Gene Ho is a great guy or Gene Ho is a bad guy. You're saying, here you go. This is him. You might hate him. You might like him. You might be a liar, whatever. But you let the people decide. And that's what we need more in America. And uh, that's what we're doing at George. We present the information, interview them. In fact, most of the interviews are verbatim. So when we uh, interview a lot of these people, we set the uh, recorder and then we transcribe it exactly what they're saying without us trying to interweave what we think about them and what we think they really meant by it. So we're we're actually very much like you, Mike.
0: How do you envision the publication contributing to the current political discord? We're the most divided we've ever been since the Civil War. It's impossible to talk to family members who are of the other persuasion during the holiday season. You see poll after poll that shows that Democrats and Republicans view the other party as the biggest threat facing the United States. How does George look to cut through all of that and be able to bring folks together into the same publication and provide information that way.
1: Uh, Amazing, amazing analysis there and 100% agree. The one thing that I have to tell people, and I'm educating them from my base, which is the the conservative right. Here's what I'm trying to tell people. And they are very well aware that I love Donald Trump and I support Donald Trump. Quite frankly, I love RFK uh, Jr. as well. I love the Kennedy family. But my whole point is, And this is for, and I have a voice with the the, uh, right and quite frankly, the far right. Here's my voice. And I believe that uh, the people on the center and the center left can also believe it. Here it is. A united America does not mean that we all 100% have to say, Trump is our guy, vote for Trump. That's not what our founding fathers wanted. What we wanted in America is a system. All right, fine, we got the two party system. I love it. RFK is making it into uh, independence and everything. But in America, what we wanted is we want disagreement and debate, arguing. What we don't want is hate. If you feel one way and I feel another way, we don't have to hate each other. We used to never hate each other. What we're trying to do is saying, listen, a united America means that we argue and we debate because that makes for a better America. What we don't want is this if i'm on this side and you're on this side i hate you i will be honest i can i can see both sides of it i'll give you an example on gun rights i am 100% for gun rights quite frankly it makes me feel safe but but and this is me talking to the conservative right if i lived in an apartment i'll be honest i have a shotgun i wouldn't want shotguns there because quite frankly if someone intrudes my place and someone gets shot with a shotgun, those bullets travel through the person, through the walls, and might hit my family on my side of the apartment, so I could understand gun control. So I go to my conservative right, the far right, and say, guys, you know what? Uh, I'm all for gun rights, but just check it out. Sometimes you got to listen to their side, because I could see a scenario where I wouldn't even want. I wouldn't want some regulations. If I lived in an apartment, man, someone's breaking in my neighbors and then suddenly my children get shot in there. I don't want that. So now people at least can say, okay, I see your point. We, we could still disagree, but I see your point. And that's what we need. We don't need 100% of people voting for Donald Trump. That's how we're going to unite America. We unite America by listening and say, listen, I understand what you're saying. Okay, I still disagree with you, but I understand what you're saying. And that's what we need in America. How
0: did you become the person to take on this project, George Magazine? There are a lot of folks in John F. Kennedy Jr.'s circle who knew him personally and were his friends, you had family members who could have taken on this project. What made Gene Ho the person to be the standard bearer of George magazine Renaissance, as you uh, put it?
1: You know what? at the end of the day, no, no real clue. no real clue why why I was chosen or, or or offered, I should say, and then chose chose to do it. I, I have no idea. But I will say this, you know, my thought process is to unite America. And so being with that, I'm, a, I'm the MAGA guy with the MAGA hat. I'm that guy. But at the same time, before that, man, I roll with all the people, all the people on the, on the, uh, on the left. My, I, my children were brought up by LGBT nanny. My children were brought up by LGBT. I championed LGBT rights. I was fully involved with the left, hung out with movie stars, hung out with rock stars, hung out with sports stars. I, I'm, I'm full, man, d- d- one thing, don't, don't pin me as some guy that, you know, sir, uh, hangs out with Donald Trump and just like all my life lived it as a conservative. So I understand both sides of it. And quite frankly, everything I'm saying here is pretty reasonable. I, I believe that someone can look at me and say, you know what, Gene's got a point. He he does have a point. All right, let's listen to what they have to say. And then on the on the left, I believe it should be the same thing. People can look at me and like, you know what? Does Gene Ho look look like a conservative? You know, I, I you know, I don't know maybe that's a reason why I was chosen for it. I don't know, but I could tell you this. You know, I'm passionate about it, and I'm passionate about a united America again. And I think it's time.
0: So I want to pivot to your book. Uh, what challenges did you face? while trying to capture the essence of donald trump Uh, and how did you overcome these challenges during your time as his photographer
1: the book is trumpography the book is interesting because um truth be told and and i I learned a lot about this when i was actually a photographer for donald trump i did enjoy it but um i didn't really uh i won't say i didn't enjoy it it was very difficult it was like showing up for a just like any other job you show up for every day and, and it, it's, it's tough you're worried about all these things you worry about getting fired you worry about doing a good job donald trump is a very 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 tough boss to work for he's very demanding and he expects things a certain way there was times where he would look at my photos and just absolutely hate them and i would just be upset about it there were other times that he let, looked at him he's like "Yeah, good job and patted me on the back so it was very difficult it was a very boss but the, the process of it is, I said to myself, that is the guy that you want running the nation, whether you love him or you hate him. And I love him, but whether you love him or hate him, let's face it, man, the guy could do a really, really good job in running a country and running a business.
0: You had the privilege of being behind the scenes during the 2016 campaign and the first part of the presidency of Donald Trump. During that time period, we saw very memorable photographs. There comes to mind the photograph of Trump, his family, Mike Pence, all gathered together watching the 2016 election results. I think about 2017 when the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act was passed. Could you elaborate on any of these moments or any other moments during that time period where you got a behind the scenes, fly on the wall, front row seat to history that many folks wish or can only dream of having? Uh,
1: yeah, actually one of the, one of the uh, most memorable times was actually when I was not a photographer Uh, There was a a moment in the campaign where Donald Trump was needing a uh, notary public notary and uh, the person that the team tried to hire didn't show up or whatever and they didn't have a notary. And then it was made aware that his photographer, me, was (laughs) was a public notary. And so um, it was probably one of the most nervous times in the whole uh, event, but he was signing a, a specific document to get on a ballot and so uh they the trump team asked me to be the official notary for this document and so it's interesting because here i am the photographer but like i'm actually we have pictures of of this uh we have pictures of this where i was you know actually signing the document and to me that was a great being part of history but it had it was funny because it had nothing to do with me being a photographer. being a witness to his uh, signature.
0: I remember a story of a historian during the 1930s and 1940s recalling a time in which they saw Franklin Roosevelt's outside persona contrast with his private persona. When he thought no one was looking at him, there was a very grim appearance that came over his face. Did you ever have a moment like that where you see a character, not portrayed, but as he is on Trump, confident, he's loud, he's aggressive, but behind the scenes, maybe there was something else that someone rarely got to see that you saw getting this front row seat to history? Uh,
1: yeah. Uh, you know, the, the thing is, I, I, and this is, um, this is my theory of it. So I don't know if it, if it's true, but uh, the, the Trump that you see at the rallies when it's just Trump and the camera and him, and, and he's like, you know, sometimes he does voices and, and he does jokes and he's sometimes firm and sometimes he's inspiring. Um, I think that is what the mainstream media cannot get over. If you have the mainstream media trying to pick, paint a certain picture of him, because right here for me, it's very difficult for mainstream media to ever change my opinion on Donald Trump, no matter what they say. Cause I'm like, I actually know the guy. I have seen him and he's not like that. So I think what Donald Trump's, if I have to guess, his trick was, was that he would start to do rallies and he was, I mean, he, he has done a lot of rallies and people go there and they see him without uh, the filter of mainstream media. I mean, some of these are just live streamed without any commentary. They're not like, you know, Fox News or CNN saying, okay, let's go back here. What is he saying there? What you? No, they're just like a video camera and him. And so America got to see Donald Trump and the, the Donald Trump you see at the rallies, speaking at the rallies, is Donald Trump. Is what he is behind the scene. He's lovable. He's funny. Uh, you know, sometimes you're like, <laughs> I mean, sometimes he'll be at the rally and go, oh, oh, no way. I can't believe he went there. You know, that's how boys do it when we hang out watching football. You know, we we say a funny joke and say, oh, man, no, you didn't say that. That's what Donald Trump is like. And that's why he's so real to the American people. And that's why the powers of voodoo or whatever of the mainstream media to try to convince people of something, it's not working because people are already seeing it for their own eyes what it is.
0: What do you say to people who say, well, I do see it for what it is. And I've heard things that are offensive to me. I've heard him criticize John McCain as not a war hero because he was captured. I've seen him denigrate Gold Star family. I've seen him recently this week say that immigrants are polluting the bloodline of the country. And they say, That's the reason why I cannot allow him to get back into the White House. For those who say, well, I'm not tainted by the mainstream media. I just don't like what I'm seeing because a president's words carry weight and meaning. And his good intentions or his lovely personality aside, you can't be reckless as the commander in chief. What do you say to those folks?
1: then vote for Biden. That's what I say. I mean, that's what I that's the whole um, point of what I'm trying to say here is listen, to be a united America doesn't mean that we all have to say, listen, 100% of us like Donald Trump and believe in him. Vote for Biden. Vote for whoever you want. But here's the thing, and this is my selling point for Donald Trump or whatever. If you think that Biden has done a better job than Donald Trump as president, that Biden has kept us safer, Biden has kept the cost of living down, Biden has kept everything. You know what I would say? I would say this, and I never met him. Man, I can't stand Biden. hate Biden. Oh, Donald Trump. I love the guy. But quite frankly, quite frankly, Biden did better. I would vote for Biden. I don't care. Vote for whoever you want. I'm not here to, to do that. But at the same time, if you, Mike, or your viewers just... Say, oh, Gene Ho, man, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. No, you know what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is this. Think for yourself. Doesn't matter. I, I'm, I am telling you, man, I, I can be the most, as long as 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 long as we're all there and, and hanging out and chilling. I could even go to Donald Trump and say, Mr. Trump, you are a fantastic guy. You are very nice to my family. But quite frankly, right now, gas is at 50 cents. Gas is at a dollar. And quite frankly, you know, my paycheck goes further. Quite frankly, Mr. President Donald Trump, we haven't been in a war since whatever. But when you were there, there was wars all the time. There was $6 a gallon gasoline. Oh, I love you, Donald Trump, but I can't vote for you. Right? That's what you would say. That's what I would say. So this is, quite frankly, the voice of reason to America. Because I'm not like the other people on the right and say, no matter what, it's Donald Trump. I believe in Donald Trump. But vote for whatever you want. Go ahead. You want more? You, you want another four years of this? Go ahead, vote for it. I, and not only vote for it, I would take in your, your ballot in the mail and bring it to the post office. I would do it for you. Vote. Anyway. How's that, how's that for a soundbite? <laughs> so
0: the, sub- the subtitle to your book, Tropography is how biblical principles paved the way to the American presidency. Could you elaborate on why yeah. you chose that subtitle and what do you mean by biblical principles? Can you. Okay. Elaborate yeah. From that?
1: Thank you so much. Thank you so much for that. That question. Okay, here we go. When I was first writing the book, I was like, you know what would be really neat. I can see Donald Trump and the things he did. And then I would put it and attach it to famous people. Like, Okay. Hey, Sun Tzu said that. Donald Trump did that. Hey, Napoleon did that and Donald Trump did that. So I was writing the book and the first one was what uh um and oh my goodness, my um oh, I got it. Sorry. Absalom. I was reading the Bible and read about Absalom. And Absalom, according to the Bible, you know, might not have been the best guy in the world, but he was amazing because what Absalom did was when people would come up to him they would say, oh, you're the king's son. You're the king's son. Let me bow down to you. And then Absalom would go, no, 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 no. You don't bow down to me. I'm just a man like you. Get up. And so when I read that in the Bible, I was like, you know what? Donald Trump, Donald Trump did that. Because I remember that guy that owned the fast food restaurants and he could have made him, made him feel small, but he, he lifted him up. That sounds like something Absalom did. So that I said, okay. First chapter, I'm going to write about Absalom and Trump. Second chapter, I'm going to write about Sun Tzu and Trump or whatever, whatever I was doing. And so I'm reading the Bible and I'm finding out that possibly everything Donald Trump is doing is actually from the Bible. Now, people always say, oh, oh, Donald Trump, this is blasphemy. Donald Trump is such a vile man. He's such a vile man. How could you dare say that? You know what? Bad people, if he was bad, can use Bible principles. Good people can do Bible principles and succeed. It's a law. Like if you, if you listen to God and do what he wants, you generally succeed in life. Uh, at least that's what I, I've seen. And my point is with this is that I believe God can use whoever he wants. Uh, let's see, let's go down the line. He, he used uh, King David, who's a murderer, right? He used, who who else? All these people that he used in the Bible that were very flawed and people could point that one thing that they did and say, disqualifies you, David. You committed adultery. Not only that, King David, you committed adultery and you murdered the woman's husband. You're disqualified. Okay. All right. God used him very mightily. And I believe in Donald Trump. I like the guy. I've seen him behind the scenes. And I'm, I'm a witness to what's going on and a witness to his presidency. And then that that this, by the way, for people watching, this interview right here with you is why they won't have me on the mainstream media channels, because it's pretty hard to argue with what I just said. All of it is reasonable. Oh, Gene Ho, why do you want to run, uh, vote for Trump when he said this? I don't care. Vote for Biden. Go ahead. Do it. Anyway, it's it, this is the reason. It's reasonable.
0: Let, let, let's take Biden aside.
1: Okay, I've heard
0: you say vote for Biden, and, I, and I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying this discussion with you. By the way,
1: uh, oh, I love Mike. I love it. I love <laughs> it, and this a lot of people going to really enjoy this because it's just like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's not slanted either way. It's not like everything is MAGA, MAGA, MAGA. And you, quite frankly, are wonderful because you're not like, well, what about this? You know, you we're like all over the place. It's it's really great, Mike. I really appreciate this, and I enjoy. it. I'm enjoying the conversation.
0: I want to get your opinion on this. You have conservatives or those who lean conservative, like Joe Scarborough. You have leaders in the evangelical community who have said, well, look, maybe it's time to flip the page to Ron DeSantis or some other candidate running for the Republican nomination. Because they've, quite frankly, found it very difficult to sell the idea that Trump, although he's a broken vessel or an imperfect being, is someone who represents Christian values. You look at the Beatitudes. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the pure and hard. Which one of these beatitudes does Donald Trump honestly embody? You have folks saying it's hard because we heard pastors say we're voting for a president, not a saint, but at the same time, you go back to the Clinton days, they were very much in alignment with saying we have to have leaders of moral values. So how do you rectify those who say, well, look, I do point to the Bible and I see reasons not to support Trump.
1: Oh, no. I, and, and see, Totally valid point, and I totally get it, and I understand those people that feel this way. Here's my point about this, and this is uh, what I've seen personally in the 2015 and 2016 election cycle. There was no greater Christian, as a human Christian man, than Dr. Ben Carson. I have never seen a man so devout. He, if if you put Christians. And line them up and say, this is a better Christian than this Christian, if you can even say that. You know what I'm talking about. They ain't no better than Ben Carson. Quite frankly, my great friend, uh, Governor Mike Huckabee, he's another great Christian. Okay? Like, just a wonderful person, charming, lovely, everything. I've met them both. I know them both. In in fact, uh, Governor Huckabee, I I probably know uh, really well. But here's my point about this is all good christians will say something similar to this hey i'm a better person than moses i'm a better person than this person or whatever but who is god choosing remember what Korah said said hey god talked to us before why not use us or whatever who knows but could it possibly be that god wanted someone like donald trump in a time such as this now If you want to sit there and say, okay, in their lives, who lived a better life as a Christian? I would imagine Ben Carson, to be honest. I would probably imagine Governor Mike Huckabee, to be honest. But in the wisdom of America, in the wisdom of the voters, and possibly the wisdom of God, who do you think he chose to lead America at the time such as this? You know what? Here's the other thing with this is, um, you know, Wisdom is proved righteous by its works. We didn't know. We thought he would be the crazy man. Remember what they used to say: this crazy man's going to blow everyone up and put us into World War III because he's so unhinged. Remember that? Well, wisdom is proved righteous by its works. So what do we get? Donald Trump comes in office and no wars. None. None. Okay, crazy man. Crazy man with the button. Unhinged man. We're scared of Donald Trump. Okay. We, we had them in. It's pretty good, man. It was really good. Now, right now, are you not, who is not scared to death? Because now with this thing, you got this thing in Israel, and then you got this thing in Russia and all this stuff. We are sitting more scared as America than ever before. So there you have it. Wisdom is proved righteous by his works, and they're valid, except for it's already tested out with Donald Trump.
0: Your book delves into the intersection of faith and politics, which a lot of folks, including myself, say should remain separate. Church and state should remain separate. Could you elaborate on some of the principles in action that you saw in the Trump administration that align with the biblical principles that you talk about in your book? And if you could elaborate on your opinion on whether or not church and state should be together or separate. You have Marjorie Taylor Greene, who just blatantly said out loud, "Look, let's do away with this separation of church and state nonsense." And then you even have the mayor of New York, Eric Adams, also voicing his support for a form of integrating faith within governance. What say you, sir?
1: Okay, uh, really quick, and um, I never met uh, uh, Mayor Eric Adams, but I know that the uh, the CEO of George knows him knows him at least well enough, and that that's one of the the like uh, I, I, that's all we need in America, like. Eric Adams is a democrat. I never met him but my my CEO uh, uh Dave Blaze, views him very highly. Okay, so that's great. Uh one really quick with that uh Jamie Harrison. Um I love D- Jamie Harrison. I know Jamie Harrison and he's a great guy. So okay, there's another person. With all of this stuff with the in- introductions of faith in, in politics is like this. How in the world If you are a Christian, do you stop being a Christian when it comes to politics? If you could tell me that. I don't know. If you could tell me how how that works. Um, if I believe certain things and I have a certain faith, and by the way, I just got baptized a year, about a year and a half ago. So there you have that. So, uh, I just got baptized as a, as a Christian. Um, so you, if you, if a person goes out there and then they are, um, wanting to make america greater which is i know it's a slogan but we do we even democrats I'm, i believe want to make america greater if we want to do that then we take our faith we take our morals we take everything and we put it in there to try to enter ourselves into the political realm and if if my christianity's part of it well in my political process that's going to weigh in on the decisions i make so I really don't know how you separate uh, church and state. And if if a person doesn't believe in God, if a person hates God, really, okay, then then that is atheism in God or whatever, or hatred of God in, in politics. That's a person's inner core, inner belief. But I know that as a Christian and the things I believe uh my values as a christian will weigh in on the decisions i make and quite frankly how i vote so
0: given your unique vantage point what do you believe were the key leadership qualities that trump had during his time in office
1: i believe uh they are and i i can't remember who um who who said this uh, best i think it was i might have been rush limbaugh i'm not sure but you have some politicians that go which way the wind is blowing and then they, they move their uh, values which way the, the politics go. And they sometimes become very uh, powerful uh, leaders because of that. Um, there's other ones, and I'll talk about it, like Obama, who was a leader because he says, hey, I don't care what you think, that is what it is. I'll give you an example of both, okay? When um, uh, Bill Clinton, who is very powerful, was president. They said, Did you smoke weed? He goes, Yeah, but I didn't inhale, right? Because at the time, it wasn't very, uh, it, it wasn't not, it was not a thing to, for politicians to be that uh, honest. They would be like, Whoa, 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 I never smoked weed. Oh, yeah, I did, but I didn't inhale. Okay, whatever. Then Obama comes in. Well, I like Obama. I love Obama. Now, so Obama comes in and they said, Hey, did you smoke weed? And he goes, Yes. Did you inhale? And you know what he said? You remember this. Yeah, that's the point, right? He doesn't care what people think. He just does what is right. With Donald Trump, Donald Trump says what we, me, and not maybe not you or maybe you, what we're all thinking, right? He just says what he's thinking and he's like, says it and he's brutally honest about it and just says things the way it is. Some of them, he even says, listen, I know this is not politically correct, but she's not my type, right? That's something that, that's something like me and you say if we're watching football together and hanging out. Dude, that's not my type. Okay. So he has a inherent honesty that comes out to the voters and they say, yeah, that's my guy. He's not, he's not messing around. That's my guy. And so that, that's a different type of leaders. And, and, you know, all three of them, Clinton was very popular. I love Clinton, by the way, at the time, loved him. Obama loved him. Trump loved him. Now, there's other presidents that like, you know what? They're all right. They're statesmen. You know, it was pretty good. But Donald Trump did both. There were good times financially. There was good times in the country. We felt patriotic. And and he he it seems like he understands the way we're thinking. And I could tell you me personally that he's the same guy behind the scenes. He's a really wonderful guy.
0: You know, you'd mentioned some of the interviews that you've had so far with George Magazine, the Renaissance, as you put it. Are you actively seeking Democratic voices on?
1: We, oh my goodness, thank you. Yes, um, of course we have. Uh, who's an independent? RFK Jr., who is a cousin, of course, of JFK Jr. Uh, he he was so gracious to sit down with us. We interviewed T.O. the um, the T.O. of course, you know, the legendary NFL player. And I loved it. You know why? Because he's a Christian man. But he also said, "Hey, yeah, I support Kaepernick." All right, my my people on the uh, the far right, like, oh my goodness, anyone that supports Kaepernick, I can never support him. You know what I say? I agree with T.O. because I say when it comes to Kaepernick, hey, I don't agree with him zero with Kaepernick. But here's where we come together, man. That guy took what he believed, even though I believe it's wrong. He took what he believed and put his money where his mouth is, said what it is, got banned, fine, whatever. That guy put his money where his mouth is. I disagree with him a lot. But, hey, we in America could come together because I'm telling people on the the far right, hey, just chill out, understand this viewpoint. You might disagree with it, but understand it. So uh, anyway, Mike, we've been trying to get people on the left to interview with us. And they don't trust us because, quite frankly, on the right, uh, they have people that interview and they're, and they're not like you. They're not fair. They, they do gotcha questions and it's like, oh, you know, they try to do, do interviews like that. I, I don't know what it takes to earn the left's trust, but we've been trying. I, I, I won't name the names, but we sent out, I sent out personally emails to their camps. Please, could you interview with us? We'll be fair. We just want your viewpoint. And they have not. And and some of these are iconic names on the on the uh, left. And I'm asking that if people that watch you that are on the left, um, please, I mean, like inquire about us doing a feature of you, because quite frankly, they're afraid of us. They're afraid that because they see Trump on the cover or or, or, uh, you know, MAGA stuff on it or whatever, that we're going to booby trap them or whatever. No. We want to have them hear. We want to hear their voices. And then the people on the right say, I told you they interviewed that guy. He's stupid. He's still stupid. And he's still an idiot. Thank you. Okay. Or they might say, I used to hate that guy. Oh, that guy used to hate, but he's got a few points. Okay. I can see that. But it's not my decision. And I'm not trying to brainwash someone into, into what to think. We present it and the people can figure out on their own, and quite frankly, if if people watching this, I know what they're going to say. Man, I hate Trump, but this photographer, yeah, he he makes some sense. I, I get what he's, I get where he's going. How how do you not watching me? It's just like th- That's what we need in America, you know. Just like you know, I never thought about that. I really didn't think about that. And if people could start thinking that way, we could have a united America. And again, a united America doesn't mean one hundred people, one hundred percent of the people vote for Trump. I, I would like that. I would like that math to be all red when come election time. I really would. And and uh whether it happens, I don't know. But uh the, the point is it doesn't it doesn't have to be that for us to be successful in making a United America. We just have to go back. And and I'm telling you, Mike, um, I keep using football as an analogy. If we're watching football, you hate a team, I hate a team, my team scores a touchdown, it's like ah la, la. You know, that's what we do to each other. That's how that's how that's how boys play. That's how men play. And that's what we need in America is to go back to that, where you can like one football team and I like the other. And we're watching it and there's like trash talking each other. And then at the end of the day, we're still friends and still brothers.
0: If John F. Kennedy Jr. was alive still, how do you think he would assess your rendition of his project? I recall some articles from reviews of those who were close in his inner circle, and they said, Well, he viewed Trump as amusing. He viewed him as someone not to take too seriously, especially in politics. He was entertaining to him, but he didn't really put much weight or investment in his opinions on world affairs and, and public policy. What do you say in response to that? And how do you think John F. Kennedy Jr. would assess your work?
1: Uh, I love it. Um, there, in the history of our America, there has been no few, I should say, greater men that has walked this earth than John F. Kennedy Jr. Now, here's the thing. When we interviewed his cousin, RFK said, John, John, I think he didn't say John, John. He said, John would be proud of what you are doing here at George. And here's why. And it's a reason. The reason of the greatness of John F. Kennedy Jr. is in his magazine, he interviewed Fidel Castro. Fidel Castro was his dad's arch enemy during the Cuban Missile Crisis. And John F. Kennedy Interviewed him. That is what we are trying to follow. And that is the model of George. Man, I'm telling you, like, I love Trump. Quite frankly, I love RFK. It's going to be very interesting. I love the Trumps and the Kennedys. And I love a lot of people that even want to interview on on the far right. And, And we will. But the point is do we or the mainstream media, do they have the guts? To bring someone like me onto their program, someone that disagrees with them, and someone that might change people's minds about what they think about Donald Trump or whatever. We are openly saying, please, if you're a big name on the far left or whatever, we would like to interview you, and we're trying, man. We are trying. I mean, that, that's a, that's our goal to interview, and they won't come on. They won't come on, and and we're trying. And uh, I think to carry on the legacy of of JFK Jr., a person that interviewed his dad's arch rival. It's crazy. I mean, if you think about it, it should be like, well, I think this of him. I'm not going to feature him. Okay. You and my dad didn't get along. Okay. Go. Talk. And that's what we want people to do is listen to other sides and, and make their own decisions. Not my decisions, what I think. I might convince you or try to convince you, but at the end of the day, that's why it's funny. It's like, you know, who, who's a Trump supporter that goes on to a show and says, you like Biden? Have at it. Vote for him. Anyway.
0: What is the takeaway from, from your book, Trumpography, that you think readers would be most surprised about?
1: Very good. Uh, you know, is almost designed to trigger people because people will look at that and say, this is blasphemy. Donald Trump using biblical principles. This is blasphemy. But the point about that, this is, is that if you feel that way, then you should also feel that God can use anyone and motivate and shape, like a potter, anyone, quite frankly, including myself. Because, Mike, I'm very famous in my old place uh, in Myrtle Beach for my days of partying, my days of going out to the clubs. Quite frankly, like a, a lot of things, I've been very famous for doing, living my life one way, and the power of God, um, as me, as a person who got baptized last year, and as a person that uh, people can look at and say, wow, dude's reasonable. Got to listen to him. Um, it shows the hand and the power of God in our life.
0: Well, Mr. Gino, thank you so much for what you brought to the table today. If you would like to have me on George Magazine, voice absolutely.
1: Oh, my goodness. You see, this is what we need more of. It. I'm, I'm not joking. We need more in America than people like you. I love it because when people watch this, you know, you, people you, which I'm not knocking the other the other shows, but when people come and say, "Oh, you think Donald Trump is great? I think Donald Trump is great." Tell me how Donald Trump is great. Instead, you bring on the tough questions, and quite frankly, even Donald Trump said that. He goes, "I don't mind the tough questions. They just have to be fair." And you are. Sir, you are very fair, and you have a great perspective of it. So thank you, and uh, for sure I'll be in touch with you with uh, uh, my publicist Izzy and all that stuff.
0: Awesome, thank you so much. And the thank you, of-
1: sir. Trumpography. Yeah. Oh yeah. Really quick, the name of the book is Trump- Trumpography. But if you want to follow me, go to georgemagazine.com. Georgemagazine.com. And God bless you, and I hope everyone has a great holiday.
0: Thank you, sir. With that being thank said, you. I'll- episode one twenty-three of the political mic podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Hi, it's Mike Taylor, the host of The Political Mike podcast. If you like what you heard tonight, I want to invite you to subscribe to our YouTube channel. I also want to ask you to please follow along on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and Amazon Music. You can also follow along and keep up with the conversation through our Telegram channel. Follow us on Twitter at at ThePolyMike, and follow us on Instagram. Thank you so much, and no matter what part of the political spectrum that you fall on, I want to encourage you to stay engaged, stay a part of the conversation,
1: and stay informed. Thank you.